0: You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates.
1: DCU,
0: Private Nation, Purple and Gold Family, stand to your feet, put your crossbones up and and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Come on, yeah, yeah welcome to the in here a whole sea of purple and gold waving here keep a plank tank because we got a whole bunch of body in you're watching the pirate football playback on the sports objective join us every Sunday night on our YouTube channel and Facebook live as we talk East Carolina football now here are the guys
2: welcome to the pirate football playback right here on the sports objective brought to you by lK custom homes want to thank Kevin Walker, good old KK, as he does a great job supporting our, our show. Give him a call, 336 688 8461. Kevin's a licensed general contractor, and I know he'll take very good care of you building your favorite home. No matter if you've won the lottery or not, call him today and uh, give him a call, and you'll find out. Uh, look at his work on Facebook as well. Uh, with us right now, we have Bubba Rosenbaum. What's up, man?
1: What's going on, guys? Uh, nice to get a win. Uh, you know, the Pirates for years and years struggled against South Florida, losing nine out of the first ten. But now we've defeated the Bulls three consecutive games, and uh, you know, certainly uh, some things to clean up, uh, especially after halftime. But uh, you're never going to complain about a twenty-point road win.
2: No doubt, Matt Semenza. I know uh, you and our guests actually know about big victories on the road. Uh, how did it feel yesterday for
3: you? Absolutely. Hey, it was a good win, guys. We're sitting here at three and two. I feel a whole lot better than I did last week after that Navy game, that's for sure. And uh, it's always great to get a win. Like Bubba said, a 20-point uh, win on the road is always a good thing. So happy to get back on track. Now I think we head into a really uh, difficult part of the schedule, which I'm personally looking forward to. Um, but guys, very happy to have uh, my former team teammate Andrew Bays on the show tonight. Yeah, what's hey up? how are you? Hey, boys! Thanks for having me on. This is awesome.
2: No doubt, you had your you're the road analyst, if you will, for the Pirate Sports Radio Network. And I was telling you, um, in the green room, you did a great job. Just want to get your uh, first of all your thoughts on first time as an analyst for the Pirate Sports Radio Network.
4: Yeah, it was uh, quite an experience. You know, uh, Matt and and I'm sure Bubba can appreciate this getting back on the road with the team, uh, team travel and uncomfortable plane seats and crammed in and boxes of food and, um, you know, bus rides and the whole thing flying out in the middle of a tropical storm out of Greenville. That was awesome. Um, so it was, <laughs> it was a fun way to get back into it. Um, you know, I was, I was honored that, uh, Jeff reached out to me in the summertime to ask me to be a part of it, uh, for the away games to be an analyst and. Um, You know, I had to think about it quite a bit, but you know, it's a great opportunity for me. I always want to stay connected to the my alma mater and uh, to the football program, and it's a good way to do that and stay close to the program. And uh, so, it's quite a learning curve. Um, First game, definitely some first game jitters, and uh, a lot of my a lot of my prep work I put into it. I don't think I used any of it in the first game. Um, You know, as those bullets. Uh, got to flying, you know, you just focused on a game and trying to, uh, you know, not step on Jeff's toes and, and do a solid job. So it was a lot of fun to be a part of that for, uh, for, for, to get my first game under the belt.
1: Yeah. Andrew, uh, without straying too far from the present, you know, take us back. Um, I'm sure on this experience, as you mentioned, you're flying out in a tropical storm, um, take us back on uh, what 23 years or so to that 1999 season with everything the pirates went through uh, with hurricane Floyd. And, um, you know, I'm sure that made you, uh, you know, reflect on that a little
4: bit. Yeah, that came, that came up a little bit. We, t- we talked about that somewhat, a little bit in the pregame, you know, as far as, um, you know, both those teams really kind of dealing with a little bit of adversity, you know, the pirates have always, obviously, you know, travel plans get changed and going to, uh, you know, a different location playing in an empty stadium, you know, for the most part and for South Florida to prepare for that game and be away from home and have to deal with, you know, uh, worrying about their, their own personal places, uh, being affected by, by the hurricane and obviously having family members involved. There's a lot of distractions for them, uh, through that week. And, um, You know, it's it's a situation where those coaches, I know Coach Logan, when we were uh, faced with that during Hurricane Floyd, you know, we we were we had just played um, University of South Carolina in Columbia and we were all ready to go home. But we we didn't know what that would look like with the hurricane uh, rolling through. And uh, Coach Logan came in after that South Carolina win in the locker room and said, you know, buckle up, We're, we're not going home you know, we're going to stay here and we're going to, we're going to be here for the next week and um, we're going to prepare for the university of Miami right here. And um, so, you know, adversity hits you right in the face. You don't know what that's going to look like. You don't know what uh, that week's going to look like. And it was definitely different, but the coaches, I think where I was kind of going with is the coaches tried to get you in that daily rhythm and that daily routine that you're used to It's football players are are wanting to get into that routine, your daily workout, your daily practice, you know, your your daily film study, your meals, all of that. Just kind of, they were really struggling to try to get us into that routine. And it didn't take long for players to start complaining about not having underwear and the food suck in and different things. And, you know, Coach uh, famously gave us a speech, you know, that basically just, Uh, went with, don't be the B word. And, um, you know, he said, there's a lot of other people that are facing adversity. You know, you guys are sitting in a hotel and are complaining that you don't have fresh underwear. You know, you've got square meals and, you know, you're, you're you're playing college football. You don't have it too hard. So, you know, he, he hit us in the face with reality and we, we got about our week uh, how we did it. And so I felt with, I felt for South Florida. I know that, you know that was a different week for them, and a lot of distractions, and that was a tough thing for them to come off of a, a big Louisville loss and uh, be faced with that having to play East Carolina, you know, at a at a you know secondary site like like uh, uh, FAU. So it was t- it was absolutely a tough week for them, no doubt. No doubt
2: about it. And uh, with a few minutes we have left, I know you're the stakes. You're waiting to cook some steaks on the grill, so the family's waiting, so we don't want to monopolize your time. Talk about the uh, the game, uh, Pirates win 48-28. Finally, Andrew, we have a road game, and I want to say this, too. By the way, I love Kevin Monroe. He's been so good to us since we started the show, but I don't know if I want him to come back because you know why? Uh, you're 1-0, and you have a chance to get – tell you what. If you went in uh, – and we'll have to talk about that. You went in Tulane uh, with Andrew being the – you being the analyst, I don't know. We'll have to talk to uh,
4: Kev. Yeah. that Tulane's going to be a tough one, but, um, you know, that South Florida team, I think you guys, you know, I know when doing my game prep, I went back, I wanted to see what kind of football team, you know, I've I watched a little bit of that Louisville game and watched some highlights and it, it was a train wreck for them. They had some significant injuries on the offensive side. I went back, watched the Florida game and it was a completely different football team. And, um, I think coach Houston and that coaching staff was, was expecting to see uh, what that South Florida team was when they played the university of Florida and they were, you know, an offensive threat. Uh, Bohannon was moving the ball, not only with the feet, but with, with his arm and um, you know, they, they put it to Florida. They should have won that game. Bohannon threw a a interception. They, they had the lead and they were driving and Bohannon threw a, a interception late in that game and Florida capitalized on it to uh, to win that game in the swamp. And you know what we saw um, Saturday, Saturday with South Florida—they came out in the first half and looked exactly like the team that was playing the University of Louisville. They, um, if I if I recall, there was four drives that were three and outs, and they had another drive in the first half that resulted in a fumble. And um, they they you know they couldn't get anything right in the first half, and the Pirates uh, capitalized on that. And, um, they went into, you know, shark in blood infested waters and, you know, they piled on and, uh, kudos to the, to the pirates taking advantage of that. And, um, you know, putting points on the board. I mean, Holt Ellers was pretty much unstoppable in the passing game with CJ Johnson, just lighting it up, but he had his, uh, he had his pick, uh, for whatever reason, South Florida insisted on going man on man, Uh, in man coverage and you know the Pirates continually won those battles Uh, I know they were just about 100% on fourth down conversions looking back on some of those third down and fourth downs uh, we were seeing pirate wide receivers that were wide open and soft coverage with with some easy first down pickups Um, you know you flip to the second half in South Florida all of a sudden you start seeing that team that played the University of Florida they come out and they start moving the moving the ball around the field and giving the the Pirates secondary some fits. Um, so, you know, it was interesting to see, you know, Coach Scott down there in South Florida, he's trying to build that program back and he's got some players, he's got some talent, but he can't quite, <laughs> you know, put four quarters together for that football team. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what that team looks like in the future, but kudos to Holt Nailers, um, kudos to CJ Johnson. That connection was solid. All day with 107, 197 yards for C.J. Johnson, four touchdowns, and Holton Naylor's just lighting it up with six touchdowns. Um, you know, I love to see it. It was great to see it firsthand. Um, you know, they they started to crack defensively in that second half, but I think um, you know that that defensive stand down on the goal line was a was a pivotal point in that game as far as just locking it down. Um, So it was a great win for the Pirates. Yeah, that goal line stand and then in the first half,
1: the play um, that we made uh, where where we chased Bohannon down and uh, stripped it and, you know, forced a turnover there with USF going in, uh, that really helped us establish that momentum we had or, you know, continue on uh, and retain that momentum early in the game. And, you know, it's Julius Wood, who had the big stick against NC State on the fourth and one play, um, coming up big once again.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And kudos to Cohen Shankweiler and that offensive line. You know, they struggled in pass protection against Navy. Um, Navy defensive game scheme and game plan, you know, where to knife the gaps and really kind of put some pressure on Holton and then disrupted that passing attack. And uh, Coach Shankweiler and the pass pro, pass uh, I, I would say they answered the bell. Um, you know, they couldn't really get anything on the, on the ground. I know gun came in late in that game and he was able to post some yards, um, which was good late to ice that game. But I was happy to see the offensive line uh, shore up that pass protection. No
2: doubt about it. And uh, Andrew, I know we, we got to let you go. do well, you have any final thoughts and hope to have you back on? Maybe you can uh, real
4: soon, maybe next yeah. week or whenever you have time anytime boys anytime I, i'm you know I'm, I'm i'm interested to see you know if we're able to to continue i know i know Matt, you've you've been you've been vocal with us as far as uh, donny k you know getting getting a little bit more um, screen games going getting holton involved in in the rushing attack and i think you know that was one of my keys to the game was was holton taking advantage of of his feet he hadn't we hadn't seen it much uh early in the season and he had some first down opportunities I know Holton spoke about it this week um last week on that on that drive uh late against Navy when he threw his interception he he regretted that he he thought that he should have put that on the you know down on the ground run for the first down and kept the ball and protected protected um going in for that lead and you know I'm I'm happy for the boys. Um, happy to see a little bit more wrinkle to to Donnie K's offensive scheme, and uh, interested to see what what they're going to scheme up for Tulane. No
2: doubt about it, it's going to be great. And and um, then Matt, um, I know with Matt and uh, Bubba, we've been working really hard, guys. Right, we're doing anything we can to say Donnie K, please, if it's Mike Houston, Donnie K, whoever it is please stop doing the conservative game plan because when you play not to lose, you lose. I'm very aggressive, and I thought that was great in the first half where they were doing more uh, things that we wanted to see the previous week. And uh, now that you're playing, I'll say this before we let you go, Andrew. Um, If you play conservative against Tulane, we're going to get beat handily. Um, We can't afford to play. Um, Some people are calling it playing scared. I call it playing conservative. Um, that we're, we're not going to be able to make it if, uh, I just want to see how we can win, um, playing conservative against them, especially when we have the weapons we do, we need to use everything and anything to beat them.
4: Yeah, no question. We've got a lot of, that's one thing, um, you know, with Keaton Mitchell, you know, kind of being on the shelf last week for that game and really us not knowing what the status of Rajay Harris is going to be moving forward. Um, I I feel comfortable with our with our depth. I mean, gunss going to get Marlon. Gun's going to get more opportunity moving forward, I believe, and um, we've got a lot of offensive threats. Two two stellar tight ends um, in a receiving room. That's that's pretty deep. So I feel good about the offense all the way around. No doubt. Well,
2: Andrew, thank you so much as always for coming on, and uh, we'll let you get to enjoy those steaks. I like mine medium, by the way. <laughs> and, uh... you,
4: you got it. Next time I see you.
2: All right, man. Have a good one. Appreciate you. Thank enjoy you. The,
3: enjoy the steaks, buddy. Good All to right, talk to you, one. buddy. We'll see, right, you we'll see
2: you guys. See later. you later. Bye. All right. So, appreciate Andrew coming on. I know that he had, uh, obviously, his family is over and he was kind enough to come on. And, Matt, uh, gosh, I was, you know, usually, uh, usually for me personally, I'm not the uh, guy that's upset. You're usually the guy in our group text that's uh, the upset one. You said, that I had more positivity. But yesterday, I was just so upset before the game. And then when we – I knew, like, what I saw in the first half is exactly what we needed to to do. And I'm glad that we really opened it up. I know Bubba was giving me a hard time because I'm like – I was talking about the running game. He said, man, they're throwing it a lot on first down. I was like, I know, (laughs) but, like, I'm really – my thing is what I was worried about – I want to get you guys' take on it. Um, for me how much of it was in the second half of usf finally settling down after all they went through um, with the that the coaching adjustments um but i was really hoping to see coaching adjustments from our side too and um, not to say that you can put on that succinct that kind of intensity for 60 minutes but the one thing that came to mind in the first half, as I said, I pray to God it's not a tell of two halves. Maybe I jinxed it, Matt and Bubba, but uh, I just want to get your thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, we just played phenomenal in the first half. We were playing out of our minds offensively. You knew there was going to be a little bit of a letdown coming right. in. Ahead of time. You know, that's just kind of like human nature. There's, there's always an ebb and flow into every game. Um, but I will, you know, Yesterday, I, I saw a few things. I mean, you got to give USF some credit for that second half. I mean, they came out of halftime half very motivated. They do have a pretty good offensive line when you watch them. I thought they really held up well against our defensive line. They gave Bohannon protection. Um, and he's the type of guy, he's a, he's a dual threat. So, you know, there were several times where we had him in situations where it was third and long and you know or 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 second and medium and he was able to make plays with his feet um to beat us so you know i give some credit to usf but i just think we had a little lull coming out of halftime and uh you know it just gave them an opportunity to get back into the game um unfortunately and and i know you know i know for a fact our defensive staff just knowing how coaches think are, are not going to be very pleased with that, Dave and Bubba, and uh, I'm sure they'll go to work on it, you know, this week to make sure it doesn't happen again. You know, people were talking
2: about Bubba, the uh, the running back room, you know, about with – obviously it's a concern with Harris and Mitchell. To me, I was going to pitch this to you, Bubba. Um, to me, the, f- the frustration for me is that apparently, you know, with Bailey uh, – Ma- is it Malkovic? He left the program, unfortunately. Bailey Malovic. Malavik, I'm sorry. I always get his name wrong. Sorry, Bailey. Um, but right now, we only have six guys that are playing on offensive line. Um, I didn't realize that, but that's a concern of mine um, because a line has been playing pretty well. But man, you uh, when you had foot go down yesterday, I was like, oh my goodness. Um, but thankfully, I think he's okay. It was just, uh, he was shaking up a little bit. That's part of the game. But uh, we got to hold our breath. We have the I'll say this, and then Bubba, you take it. Um, for me, I feel like if we can keep the injuries down on offensive line, we have a shot to at least be in the championship game, if not win it. Uh, I'm very confident on our team, but, man, that scares me to think. It's not the play of the offensive line. It's the depth of the offensive line that really worries me.
1: Yeah, prior to uh, yesterday, um, like you are saying, um, there had been games where we would Pretty much played the starting five every single snap, or maybe uh, six guys. Yesterday we did we did play seven. Uh, you saw Parker Moore; I think he played just over twenty snaps, and then you had Ben Johnson, the transfer from Marist. Uh, he he played seven snaps, uh, and you know Johnson was playing for Isaiah Foot when he went down. The good news is, is that Isaiah Foot was able to come back in, and um, and then. Obviously, um, Parker Moore, I believe, graded out pretty well in those 21 snaps that he played. But um, as far as the offense as a whole, uh, granted, uh, they they were going against uh, an entirely different defense uh, than they were last Saturday. Navy is so much better on that side than South Florida is, and there's no doubt. But at the same time, just the way we went about our business and and, yes, you know, when you're gaining yards and having explosion plays like we had from Ailers to C.J. Johnson, um, you know, it's easy for people to say, well, they opened it up. But. And while all that is true, uh, the reason I feel much better about it um, besides our production is just because we were doing, in my opinion, uh, what we needed to do to win the football game and be more aggressive, um, not just the shots down the field against the man coverage that South Florida was playing as Andrew Bayes referenced. Uh, you know, we were getting the ball in Ryan Jones and Shane Calhoun's hands much more frequently and in a variety of ways, be it on jet sweeps um, or um, Ryan Jones actually, you know, lined up in the backfield, a bit of a quick pitch there. I want to say it was maybe late first half or early second half. So, uh, you saw Holton uh, with, with some of his play action stuff, and uh, I know Matt will speak more specifically about this on uh, the the RPO uh, RPO game. Uh, there was a time in the first half where it was a replay, and he pulled it and had a nice seven or eight yard gain at least. And then there was one in the second half where you know he where the defender came up a bit, and then you know Ryan Jones was open over the middle, so all those things, and they're at the end of the first half. You know, it had been easy, 34-7, to 7, uh, to not be aggressive. I love the aggressiveness, aggressiveness that we showed uh, with that two-minute offense. Not only did we try to score, but um, we had a nice tempo about things, showed a sense of urgency, and loved that. And then I know some folks were thinking, oh, just because we only scored seven points after halftime, that uh, we took a foot off the gas. Um, and, yes, the execution wasn't as good as it was in the first half, but I love the, uh, the way we handled, um, the way we were calling plays. Uh, we didn't just – it wasn't just three runs and punt. Uh, we, we did a good job of, you know, play action on first down at least twice there in, in our first two possessions. And uh, I just felt much better about things, uh, not only because we scored 48 points, but just the way we were going about our business offensively.
3: Yeah, I did too, Bubba. And you know, you could definitely see that there were some new new wrinkles added for this week's game plan. You know, personally, I was I was very critical of the offensive play calling against Navy. Um, listen, coaches are going to have bad days just like players; it happens. And, and that was not our best day calling plays. But yesterday, I really liked some of the things I saw, and you and you touched on a few of those things, Bubba. Um, I think one of the things that the offense has been sorely missing, and I can't stress it enough, is when Holton has the ability to keep the ball, whether it's an RPO or if it's a read option look, um, to be able to keep the ball and make plays with his feet. Um, and, and now understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that has to be a 25-yard gain, but even if it's a 3-, 4-, 5-yard gain, what you're doing is you're making the defense adjust to that. And when you don't show it, when you don't put it on film, it allows the defense to basically just ignore the quarterback and tee off on the running back. So then it starts to hurt your running game. So what I've been saying all along is give Holton the ability on the, whether it's RPO or, you know, if it's a true RPO scheme, whatever it is, give him the ability to keep the ball two to three, maybe four times a game max because you don't want him taking too many shots. But, what that does is it makes the defense adjust, okay? And and I liked how we did that yesterday. We really haven't done it this year at all. And he was able – I think that was a third and one, Bubba, where Holton was able to make a play with his feet and get the first down. And then we were able to call plays off of that as the game went on. A really nice play-action look to um, to Ryan Jones. So I like that we put it on film. I'd like to see it even more. Um, but that's that's a good start.
1: No doubt. And um, Andrew Bays referenced the presence of Marlon Gunn yesterday, and and he was talking about him coming in uh, toward the end. it was really uh, actually early on in the game because we played 73 offensive snaps and 42 of those went to Marlon Gunn. And Rajay Harris, you know, who did suffer some sort of uh, leg or knee injury um, later in the game, he played 31 snaps so that did uh, that was impacted by that, but um it it was more a situation it was Marlon Gunn was playing well before that ever occurred and uh and that was something that did not shock me because Coach Houston said they were very close to to using Marlin against navy um in, in retrospect, they probably wish they would have but it's it's certainly understandable you know from the outside looking in you know not um knowing exactly how well you know he was picking up blitzes and so forth, which is a big part of um, the learning curve for a running back. And, um, you know, yesterday, at least a few times, I zeroed in on Marlon in that regard. Uh, You you saw some replays. He did an excellent job picking up a a blitzing Mike Backer. And then also one time when we ran a a quarterback draw, um, Holton, unfortunately, uh, cut the wrong way. But uh, Marlon had made a nice, nice block for Holton.
3: Yeah, you have to be impressed with Marlon Gunn. He just looks like a natural player at this level. Um, Powerful kid. Um, Really impressed, too, with his ability to pick up the offense so quickly. Um, And and to your point, Bubba, about that quarterback draw for Holton, he did make a very nice block. Holton made the decision to go to his left. Had he gone to his right, he would probably still be running. But, you know, that's one of the – that happens, guys. Like that's one of the ones you look at the film, and you're like kicking yourself, hey, why didn't I just go to the right? But to your point, Marlon made a a very nice block, and there was a a key first down um, pass play where he got about seven or eight yards um, on a little flare out of the backfield. um, And he was able to – he was stopped short of the first down marker but because of his power, he was able to uh, kind of lunge forward and, and make a play and get the first down. So um, he's a guy we're going to rely on very heavily um, in the second half of the season.
1: And Marlon Gunn, um, like, like you mentioned, he, he brings something to the table uh, with his combination of um, speed, power, and vision, everything that he offers as a running back that uh, that Rajay does not. And that's not a knock against Rajay whatsoever because Rajay – Um, did some excellent things yesterday, and, you know, just like Keaton Mitchell, um, you know, obviously Keaton brings something that Rajay doesn't, and I think Marlon Gunn and Rajay Harris make a nice one-two punch, and I love to see the way you mentioned us throwing the ball to Marlon Gunn out of the backfield yesterday, and um, I'm trying to recall, uh, I know you had at least a couple, if not a few catches, uh, and then you had Rajay Harris. I love the way we utilized him in the passing game also. And he made some nice runs after the catch.
3: Yeah. You can tell they all, all of our backs have slightly different skill sets, you know, and and, like, I really like Rajay down near the goal line. Um, when, you know, we're, you know, facing like a second and goal from the two yard line or the three yard line. I think he's really good in that situation with his quick feet and his, he's got some power, um, really like him there and i like him catching the ball out of the backfield and keaton obviously with that with that speed and breakaway ability and then marlin um you know he seems like com- it's kind of a combination of both to me where he's got the power but he also seems to have really good vision to me and he can cut really well so we have we have three really good backs um you know in the stable and. Uh, You know, I think as the season goes on, they're all going to get a lot of touches. We just hope they stay healthy. You know, that's the main thing, Bubba.
1: No doubt. And, uh, you know, as far as as Marlon Gunn, Marlon had 15 carries for 61 yards uh, with that 34-yarder there on one of our last drives of the game uh, when we were putting things away, following the goal line stand, Uh, Rajay Harris, 11 carries for 40 yards in that touchdown. And you talked about Rajay down around the goal line. Uh, That was not surprising, but awesome to see uh, when he lowered the boom on that South
3: Florida defender. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had, we had quite a few plays like that yesterday where our, Offensive players were able to kind of lower the boom, you know, if you will. And, uh, you know, we saw Ryan Jones do it down near the goal line. That was an awesome play, Um, which kind of brings me, Bubba, to a point that really loved the way we utilized the tight ends yesterday. Um, You know, our colleague here, Kyle Barber, uh, unfortunately can't be with us today, but Kyle really uh, made mention last week that he would love to see Ryan Jones use more in this offense. And he got his wish because. Jones was used heavily and, um, you know, he, he really was able to make plays and beyond we talk about new wrinkles, you know, I want to mention a few other things too, beyond just using the tight ends more, we saw a lot more motion in the offense, which we really haven't seen a lot this year. You know, we saw Marlon Gunn and Rajay motioning out of the backfield into the slot. We saw Ryan Jones coming in motion. And I think what they were trying to do is maybe set up some jet sweep action with that. But that motion really creates challenges for the defense. And we didn't see it the last few weeks. So so that was another little wrinkle we saw. And then, hey, hallelujah, Bubba and Dave, you know how happy I am about this. But we did see a wide receiver screen for the first time all year. And um, it only went for about three or four yards. But we need to have that play in the offense because there's just – Times throughout the course of a game where you need to be able to, you know, have that play, you know, in your arsenal. And um, so I'm just really glad we we kind of added that wrinkle, too. But a number of new things this week that I think Pirate fans should be really pleased about. Um, it, it goes to show that our staff kind of evaluated themselves last week.
1: Hey, and Kyle says I am here. Uh, you're Kyle. There he is. Glad you're able to join us. Uh, you know, what were your thoughts on yesterday's? Forty-eight twenty-eight win down in Boca Raton.
0: Uh, uh great first half. Obviously, y'all were talking about Marlon Gun, and uh, yeah, he he's he gonna step up immediately. Harris got a knee injury. Who knows how bad it is? Um, they said uh, what uh, Keaton is week to week or day to day with a sit pointer. Um, so you need at least one of those two back this week. Um, if it's Harris and uh, Gun, or if it's Keaton and Gun. Um, I think Gunn can do more of the Harris-type stuff in terms of he, he's not quite ready to, to – he just hasn't had the experience to do all the stuff without the ball in his hand that Rajay can do in terms of pass protection and all. But I think he has the ability to learn that stuff and be very effective at that, and he's effective in the passing game um, like Rajay is. It's a shame we, we don't throw the ball to Keaton as much as we do either one of the two backs, which indicates to me he isn't good at, at, at catching. Uh, he needs to work on that because he would be – if you utilize Keaton in the passing game more, he would be deadly. But um, hell of a performance by Holton. He got a helmet sticker on ESPN. Um, great performance by C.J. Johnson. Obviously, both of those guys had career days in terms of touchdowns. Um, I, I don't know if that was career high for Holton single game or not with yards, but I know it wasn't touchdowns.
1: For touchdowns, I believe it t- – according to the ESPN broadcast, it tied – the record for touchdowns, um, was six and, um, for yardage, it's a little bit shy because you go back to Cincinnati and then also SMU, um, and in those games back in, uh, I guess 2019, Holton threw for right around 500.
0: Yeah. All of a sudden we were running the air raid. Um, I remember that. Um, I, uh, Overall, good performance. Second half, there's a lot to be desired on the defense side of the ball. Can't put it much on the offense because South Florida has such long damn drives. I don't really know how many possessions we got in the second half on offense, Bubba. You can look that up, but it could not have been many. I think it was um, three,
1: three or four. It was yeah, four. It was four. Yeah. And, and, and then in one of those, we're uh, clearly, you know, just draining the clock. And, uh, right. We did, yeah. did a decent job of that.
0: Hey, good, did a good job of it. We um, could have, uh, could have been aggressive and tried to score there, but it was not need to rub it in anymore. Um, so I did a really good job of, of running the clock on that last drive. That last sequence of the game um, after, you know, dominating first half, second half, the defense just decided the game was over and then the offense just didn't give me any opportunities. It was good to end the game with po- on a positive note and, and carry positive momentum out of that game with the win, with the goal line stand, which I thought was – I don't really think it would have made a difference in the game but it was huge to put them away there and then to drive the field in the, in the game with the ball in our hands. And the only reason we didn't score is because our main goal was to run the clock. That was really good football to see that goal line stand with about six minutes, seven minutes to go. And then that was a six minute drive of it to run the clock out.
1: Yep. And, uh like you said, I still think we'd have held on, but glad we didn't have to find out. And, um, not make any, not make things any more, uh, suspenseful. But, um, you know, uh, Dave, welcome back. Uh, so we, we were just discussing uh, Marlon Gunn and, you know, just the, the presence that he made yesterday. And then obviously moving forward, depending on the status of Keith Mitchell and, and Rajay Harris.
2: Yeah, you guys know how I've been, uh, big on him. In fact, we had heard about, it's the same thing with uh, Keaton Mitchell a couple years ago and practice guys. We had heard about Marlon Gunn and, hey, this guy is moving up the depth chart. And, uh, Matt, you know it's uh, how it is with uh, anywhere you play. You want to put your best players out there. And I I really am worried about uh, Harris guys. I'm not sure. Um, I know the that uh, Marty Fear said on the radio broadcast yesterday um, that out of the tent, he – he was icing his knee. I was hoping that he wouldn't have to. I know Kyle, you had expressed some concerns too when, when I mentioned that in the group text yesterday. And for me, I don't want my biggest concern is those guys are huge. I'm huge fans of them personally and professionally. They're great guys. And I what I worry about is we bring them back. I understand the significance of the two-lane game. I'm just worried about you bring them back and what if you uh, they have a season injury, you know, ending in injury. They hurt themselves worse, and all of a sudden, we're going the re- ha- the second half of the season without Harris and or
0: Mitchell. Well, mitchell Mitchell, hip pointer. I I don't, I don't know much about the injuries, but it sounds more like a like a pain tolerance thing. I, I don't really know if a hip pointer can get worse. It's just more to do with pain tolerance, from my understanding? Uh, of or uh, Matt would be more con- qualified to comment on that to me. Because um, one of them may have had, certainly had teammates that have, um, but with, with with a knee, you, you do need to be careful, and they will be. If Rajay um, isn't ready to go, uh, he'll, what will probably happen? I think he had bruised his knee bad against Navy, and then it, and then it happened to get even worse in this game. So he'll probably get an MRI. It's my guess the first of the week, just to make sure that it is a deep bruise and nothing more. And um, it, yeah, so th- that'll be looked at. And, and, and then if it's a deep bruise, sometimes that's a pain, a pain tolerance thing, too. But hopefully it ain't no serious than that. But when you mess with knees, um, there ain't a lot of in-between. It's, it's normally a minor injury or a major injury. There's ain't a lot of in-between with knees, so that's scary.
1: <laughs> Just a little more information very quickly, Matt, as far as Keaton Mitchell. I mean, he did
0: dress out yesterday
1: in the pregame. And you know, there's there were pictures on social media, but then apparently after going through warm ups, decided he could not go, and uh, was not dressed out during the game.
0: Also, I would imagine, Bubba, and just just me speculating, Rajay has had great games against South Florida every time we played them, and I think they probably had a game. I think they felt confidence and felt confident in their offensive game plan yesterday. So I'm just I'm I'm just guessing they thought they could win that one without Keaton. Yeah. And and so they said no need to, to, to put you through playing with pain. I'm just speculating. I expect if particularly if Roger can't go, I would expect to see Keaton this week. If not, it's, I, I, it's gun. is a talented back. But the stuff he is, he ready to do all the stuff without the ball in his hand. Um, probably not to the level of Roger Harris. is really good at the stuff without the ball in his hand, blocking, picking up on pass protect, et cetera. And uh, behind him, the other backs, you know, the transfer from UNC, the other freshman, they haven't played. Uh, So, our big definitely ain't going to be ready. You know, they may be fine with the ball in their hand, but the other stuff. So, um, you hope one of the two, Keaton Arazi at least, can go uh, so it ain't all on gun and a bag that we hadn't seen.
2: And something else I want to pitch uh, to you guys, all three of you. Is it possible that uh, it's also a possibility that um, both of them could see limited action and you put gun in, you know, the mix and maybe some of the other guys, but you still could get them some touches to make some plays. I've also thought about that last night.
3: It's definitely possible. I mean, the big thing, like my big thing is, you know, you always hear coaches, you know, with this old sort of old school mentality. If you don't practice, you don't play. And there are situations for that, but in this case, guys. There's no way I would let Keaton practice. There's just no way. Let him get healthy. He's not going to lose that four three speed um overnight. So, you know, just vet, limit those guys in practice as much as possible. Um so when you game him, day, could
0: you just have him completely no contact to practice, Matt? we just just where he's oh, at because he's gonna he's gonna need that, you know. It's probably good for him to run some.
3: Absolutely. I would I would do, you know, definitely light running you know, you know, just to keep the, you know, the, the wind up and, and your conditioning, but just no contact whatsoever. I wouldn't even consider it. And I'm sure Mike Houston feels the same about that. But, um, but Hey, to, to your guys point too, I mean, this, this highlights the need, you know, I remember when Camaro Edmonds was signed. Um, I think it was this past spring. Um, and there was a lot of talk on different you know websites about, Hey, do we really need to spend another scholarship on a running back? Well, yeah, this, 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 remember that, Dave? Yeah, but, I do. And, and this kind of highlights right there the need because we're now in a situation potentially where if Rajay and Keaton can't go, guess who's the next man up? It's, it's going to be obviously Marlon Gunn, but Camaro Edmonds it would be the next guy. And mm-hmm. so, um, this is why you need to have a, a stable of backs. I, yeah, I worry more. Yeah, I was I, asking
2: also, guys, is Pop McKay still in the mix? He would be. After Kamara, right, fifth on the charts, I would think.
0: Correct,
3: correct, and then the true freshman.
0: What about the kid from UNC?
2: That's Kamara Ed- Edmonds.
0: Okay, all right. Um, the uh, what I was gonna say, Rajay worries me more than Keaton because, like I said before, normally knee injuries are minor or major. If it's just a deep a deep tissue bruise, it's a it's a Play with pain, kind of thing. Uh, if it's anything else, ACL, MCL, torn ligaments, torn tendons, you, you're going to miss some time. Um, so that that's my fear with Rajay. Um, if you can, if you, if Keaton was almost ready to go this week, then I would think he would be ready to go against Tulane. I, I would think. So I think what we'll probably see is either all three or either Gun and Keaton.
2: <clears throat> they were asking, is Edmund a freshman? He transferred after his freshman
3: year, right? Uh, from UNC. Well, I bet you Bubba would be the guy, but I'm pretty sure he got some carries at UNC. So I, he he might possibly be a, uh, a sophomore. Sophomore. I I believe if I'm not mistaken, Bubba would probably know better than us, but, um, big back. I want to say he's about 225 pounds. He was a four star back out of high school. I think he was from Havelock. Um, so highly recruited kids, so that you know there's talent there. Um, so he, you know, ho- hopefully he's ready to go if we call upon him.
2: I agree with uh, you guys about worried about obviously the game speed, the game experience, but um, I really believe with. Uh, I also believe that if we have the the blocking, and also um, if we do the uh, there was a I can't remember which caller was on fifth quarter yesterday, but he made a great point. We're known, what's our nickname, Kyle? We're wide receiver you for a reason. And he was talking about Donnie K, but wide receiver you, but that's why we have that nickname. And that, you know, in other words, one of the concerns I have, and I'll I'll talk about another coach in a minute so you understand where I'm going, but hopefully we don't do the stubborn, we're run, uh, run first, pass when we have to kind of a team. When the reality is, we need to make sure that we have whatever athletes we have, whatever the defense is giving. Hey, Matt, whatever the defense is giving us, that's what we need to go with. And, you know, if, if one day, you know, with when you have Campbell and they can't stop us running, you run it. If uh, I know that's maybe stating the obvious, but uh, for me personally, don't be so stubborn to say we're going to have a running game if the run is not there, it's not there, and let's do some other nice things like. um we have um, – tell you one thing I want to mention too, guys, is the fact that when you have uh, Marlon Gun, anytime that guy touches the ball, he's dangerous. So um, why not work with him? Is uh, there any plays that we could do, Matt, you think where we could um, get him on the field and maybe have him touch the ball? Because when he touches the ball, he, he's gone. He's getting like five yards, it seems like. Uh, At the minimum, Uh, there was a few times yesterday when there was no blocking and there's South Florida guys, some bulls waiting to tackle him. I remember that in the game. But for the most part, if the blocking's there, he's going to make things happen.
3: Oh, he definitely is. He's got the vision. He's got the ability to cut. Um, And and again, I just hate to sound like a broken record, Dave, but to answer your question, the more we let Holton keep the ball uh, in read option situations, it's going to open up the middle of the field. It's going to open up runs in between the tackles for our running backs. too. it's going to stretch the field. So, so that would help him. And, and Hey, maybe, maybe you get it to him on a, you know, you outflank somebody into the boundary and you run a toss sweep uh, and get Marlon the ball that way. I mean, there's a million ways to, to get him to rock, but he definitely needs his touches. You
2: know what I always say, Matt, and I will pitch it to Bubba. He has some numbers um Bubba. I'm going to say this real quick, but I always say, let Holton be Holton. And I think the good news is there are they are going to let Holton be Holton. And I think he's making these decisions on his own um, because uh, Mason Garcia, you've got a deep quarterback room as well that knows the offense now. Where before it was just Holton like on the island, he was the only one that was ready to go as far as to play all the plays and learn the playbook. and.
1: and it- Taking a look at some of those numbers, we talked about the day that Holton Nailers and C.J. Johnson had yesterday. Holton finished with 465 yards passing, 31 out of 41 for 465, six touchdowns, no interceptions. C.J., uh, he was targeted seven times. He had seven receptions for 197 yards and four touchdowns. Obviously, the 60-yarder to start off the scoring and then the 74-yarder later in the first half As uh, we were driving in the opposite direction in the second quarter, uh, and then you know we did a nice job spreading it around. Though, uh, despite CJ having seven for one ninety-seven, you you had eleven catches for the tight ends. You had Ryan Jones six for eighty-four and a touchdown. Then you had Shane Calhoun five catches for forty-four yards, and then Isaiah Winstead another solid game for him seven catches seventy-three yards and a touchdown. So you know, you, there you had four receivers. With five catches or more,
2: yeah, that was another thing that Kyle I know that we that Kyle we talked about um, last week, and we've said every time Ryan Jones gets the ball, good things happen. Give him some more touches. Um, Shane Calhoun it was great to see him, but you were talking about I know that last week the tight end room. Uh, the, we've got some great tight ends. Let's uh, let's open it up for them too.
0: Yeah, I thought about using the middle of the field more. I thought about yeah. uh, definitely involving Ryan more, uh, particularly. And we even gave him a, a a run a running play in the backfield once. But uh, I'll say this: this is an interesting uh, an interesting thing. Uh, things I brought up on the offense we're we're, we're done this week. Um, you know, when you have suggested friends, my number one suggested friend for two days in a row was Donnie Kirkpatrick. So I don't know if he uh, was watching the podcast and went and looked on my Facebook page and said, hmm, "That dude knows what he's talking about." I highly doubt it, but I did think that was funny.
2: Yeah, and our group, uh, another group text that Bubba and I are in, they had, hey, Bubba, uh, do you remember Tom and some of the other people, they put the picture of, like, it was a picture of a man, like, tied up. Uh, The joke was that Dottie Kirkpatrick was tied up in in the hotel room and somebody else was doing the play calling.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, guys, one thing I love about working with you guys is we're always honest. Like, we are very honest on the show. Last week, we were we were critical of the play calling, but, but Hey, this week, you got to give credit, right? We give credit when it's due and Donnie called a very good game yesterday. He bounced back. So, uh, you know, I give him props because, you know, Hey, last week, I don't know how much that was Donnie or it was Mike Houston wanting to play a certain, a certain style, right? You just don't know exactly how that's working behind the scenes, but, um, you got to give credit this week where it's due. I mean, he called an aggressive plan he showed new wrinkles. He got the tight ends involved, um, and, and I don't think we 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 just we looked more um, we looked more confident and, and aggressive, and uh, we weren't holding anything back. That's what you want to see,
2: no doubt. Hey, Kyle, when uh, I'm gonna give you credit, I know that you've talked about uh, this team having enough talent. We've got so much talent, we could be at least I was saying earlier in the show before he came signed in uh, that we could see ourselves easily finishing um second which means the championship game. I know you you and I agree on that. And uh and it's like if we want to get to that game, you've got to play like you know when you always hear uh the same cliches all the time with uh it's so we're going one and oh this week but you know what um we have the talent to to hang with uh with Tulane it's a pick'em game this week and uh if we're gonna win these games then we're going to have to put all, all stops. We can't do the conservative play calling. It, it would be, I'll tell you this, it's either 2019 play calling we've seen or it's like we're playing Alabama and we don't want to get embarrassed, so we're trying to run enough clock to try to keep it close and have a chance to win the game of the fourth quarter. We're not playing Alabama. No disrespect to our conference.
0: Well, I think with the Navy game, I think it was two things, three things, four things. One... I think he thought that our talent would be enough to really run the ball down their throat. And Keaton got to remember Keaton got injured. People forget about that when you look at the play calling in that Army game, in our Army game, in that Navy game. You, you, I know Keaton won't lighten it up before he went out. But you got to remember, at some point, Keaton was going to break one in that game. Oh yeah. So there there was probably a touchdown taken off the board in that game just because Keaton was out. So, I think the game plan was to keep the ball out of Navy's hands. And Navy's defense is pretty good. Uh, you you know, that was one thing they, they weren't struggling this year was on defense. And they shut Air Force down yesterday. They lost yep. by three, but they shut them down. That's a damn good Air Force. Air Force is probably going to win the Mount West this year. They, so, should
3: have, they should have won that game, Kyle. They had Navy – not to – just really quick to, to interject. Navy had the ball inside the 15-yard line multiple times and came away with no points.
0: Yeah, so there you go. I mean, they could they could have beat Air Force, and uh, so I, I I think Navy defensively is pretty good. Um, so keep that in mind, everybody, uh, and, and keep this in mind too with Tulane. Tulane's four and one, or, yeah, four and one. Um, they're only lost to Southern Miss, oddly enough. They got upset by USM. Uh, their their USM head coach was the OC for Fritz a couple years ago, uh, so that he knows them well. Um, but they've had some nice wins. They beat Kansas State. They beat Houston. Um, it is. It, you said it was a pick'em, Dave. Is, is that actually actual spread or?
2: Yeah, it's like uh, that's what I'd heard, right, guys? But, but this afternoon, correct. I,
0: the lines even okay. Um, you know, I, I think we're gonna have a lot of games coming up. This next five games is brutal. Tulane, uh, a game that you on paper before the season like an easy win. Even though I thought they were gonna be much improved, I didn't know they were gonna be this improved. Four one football team. Um, you got. You know, after that, UCF. Uh, I believe they're also 4-1 and one or 3-1. Oh, yeah, Memphis. Memphis. Uh, Memphis, yes. Uh, oh, Well, same thing stands. They're 4-1. and one, And, uh, you know, they, got, they, they both play – Memphis plays this weekend. But uh, my point is, Memphis – uh, Tulane, Memphis, UCF, uh, Cincinnati, BYU, or BYU-Cincinnati, that's a tough five-game stretch. You got two top 25 teams in there, and you got Tulane – Every one of those teams that we're playing coming up, our next five games right now only have one loss each, each one of them. So it's a, it's a very tough stretch. One of the tough stretches of football that I think we've had in a long time, and I don't think it's been thought about enough. you got two top 25 teams in there with Cincinnati and BYU, and then, like I said, UCF, Memphis, and Tulane all only have one loss. And had Tulane not got upset by Southern Miss, would that win over uh, – uh, Kansas State and with K State as they keep winning, and now they're winning over Houston. Tulane might be in the top 25 right now.
3: Yeah. So
0: yep. it's a very tough five game stretch. So, you know, I look, do I think we can go to Tulane to win this weekend? Absolutely. But if we don't, everybody calm down because I, I think we're going to be in a lot of close games the rest of the way out. Nothing would really surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me to lose to Tulane, lose to Memphis, and beat UCF of Cincinnati. It would not surprise me. I, I think we're going it, it, as long as we can get healthy and stay healthy, I think we're going to be in all these games, but we ain't going to win them all.
1: Yeah, as far as Tulane, very impressed with them in that game at Houston. Uh, obviously, Houston had been up and down as well Um, in a bunch of close games, having lost close games to to um, Texas Tech, and, and, then, uh, and then also another one in there. So – and then they had won close games against UTSA and Rice, so uh, so yeah. With Tulane, despite that loss at home to Southern Miss, and like Kyle mentioned, they're ranked thirty fifth this week, uh, so to speak, according to the number of uh, votes they're receiving and points they have in the AP poll, and uh, they're four and one. And in that game against Southern Miss, it was kind of a one of those deals where they must not have taken advantage of some some red zone opportunities or something in that nature because i i noticed on the box score that i think they were only minus 1 in the turnover battle but uh they had outgained southern miss by 200 yards
3: yeah well you you know guys like Kyle when you when you kind of go back here for a second you look at your point about you know the stretch of games coming up and, and right here we have a pickem game right a pickem game against Tulane and this kind of takes me back to one of my fears right now, and that's our field goal kicking game. Um, because I worry that one or two of these games possibly could come down to the kicking game, and what? which takes us back to to yesterday, fellas. Another missed extra point. And, um, again, you know, not trying to bang on Owen Daffer, right? We all know he's a great kid. But, listen, at this level, this is not high school. You can't miss extra points. You cannot miss extra points this and and this is the fourth time this year for whatever reason whether it's blocks you know it's just unacceptable we have to get it fixed and if he can't do it it's got to be next man up
2: yeah not only that but you, when you look at um daffer you know what's interesting guys is that he missed the extra point and if you noticed uh how many times bubba you're our numbers guy was it three times did we get two out of three on fourth down but we're going for it and and i tell you what. There's no disrespect, even if if uh, Daffer makes every single one of them. I'm the kind of guy like I watched the Bills and uh, and the Ravens today, and the Ravens went for it on their side of the ball. (laughs) Uh, It might have been the 34. I can't remember, but that was in the fourth quarter. Hey, go for it every time on fourth down, unless it's ridiculous, like at the 20 or 30 yard line if you're on fourth and seven or something. But we've got to go for it every time, every time. That's my that's my gut feeling. Go for it.
3: Yes, I, I got
1: a.
2: We went three, three for three on fourth down. Oh, three for three. Good. Okay.
0: Now, let me ask y'all this. Um, in, in these situations where, like yesterday, where we were well ahead in the ball game and the game's in hand,
2: I know what you're going to ask.
0: And, and instead of going for it on fourth down um, in those situations, why not let Dapper try a longer field goal in a no pressure situation? Just see if he can hit it, give him some confidence.
2: I thought about that same thing, Kyle. I mean, you had a, a twenty-point lead um, at one. Uh, obviously, that was the final. Um, I thought about that too. I, I think, I think when it comes to a tight ball game, like Matt said, um, there's no way in the world I'm putting Daffer on that kind of pressure. Uh, I'm going for it. I like to go for it anyway. I like to roll the dice, and uh, I, I tell you why. Because before, um, especially this year, the defense, I would have been nervous. They probably score on us. Um, but now with that defense, man, oh man, oh man, I love our defense, um, and I trust our defense, and so I feel like that we have a good shot of stopping them. How about that? Another goal line stance. We even had the goal line where the fumble um, early in the first half that really made a big difference for uh, for that for me.
0: Well, if you, it, it, I, I wish we had a kicker that we that we had confidence in to, kick, to make a fifty yard field goal every time. That's a dangerous weapon. But if you're if you're going to go for it consistently like that, and you're not going to let him try any long kicks. If we don't have, and maybe we do have, you know, all of a sudden last year against Navy, we had confidence in him to make a long kick. So I I don't know. But if if you're going to do that, then be aggressive. Uh, don't don't settle for a short field goal. Keep on being aggressive uh, if you're going to if you're going to go for it. Don't don't get down inside. And well, and I- run it every time. Um, and not that we do that all the time, but.
2: Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry, Both guys. I cut to to out
3: there. For... Oh, sorry, Kyle. Yeah, just cut out for a second. I was just going to say to your point, I mean, the, the one thing we don't know about Daffer and his backups in particular, and, you know, like I would love to be at practice and observe, but obviously that's not going to happen. I live in Connecticut. But, um, you know, you just don't know what they're seeing throughout the week in practice. And and they drill it every day. You know, they they, they set up their field goal kicking unit and they, and they, you know, they, they practice it every single day. Um, You know, there's either two things happening. Number one, he's either making these field goals throughout the week and, and is like an amazing practice kicker and, and struggling, struggling in the games, or he's struggling in practice as well. And the coaching staff is now at the point where they're saying, Hey, you know what? We just can't let him kick in those situations. So there's yeah, one. Have y'all one? ever
0: seen this in practice? I don't know. This
3: is just a thought, and I, this is like a psychology
0: thing, and it may be a terrible idea. I don't know, Matt or Bubba, if either one of you have ever seen this. Have you ever seen a kicker get inside his head? And then at practice, instead of encouraging him, just have a bunch of players go just talk crap to him the whole time while he's trying to kick it, telling him he's a worthless piece of crap, his mama's a whore, everything else in the world, just oh to get gosh. under his skin, get in his head and just so he can kick with with, with vile and anger, like where uh, just almost like where you put more pressure on him there than he even has in a game. I I don't know. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me.
2: Well, he likes uh, Matt and Bubba and Kyle. We know that he likes noise. In fact, whenever um, it gets quiet, that's one of the things, and that was one of the things yesterday. I was thinking about, oh, man, it's on the road, but yet it's not much of a crowd there because of, Obvious some circumstances, but man, this week uh you can better believe it's going to be um that way at the the stadium. It wouldn't be that way, Matt, at the superdome, but it certainly will be that way. Uh yeah. The the, so you're looking
3: Oldman for yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you
0: well, well,
3: I do that ahead, with a, I, I do that with my AAU basketball team. my coach for free throws. Exactly what you were describing. I have right. the team surrounded. Father,
0: their mama's horse. Jesus Christ, He's you need better calm down, Matt. We <laughs>
3: We stay away from the mama whore part, but uh, but we do yell and we scream and, and we talk trash and uh, it's designed to create pressure. So I I think it's a great idea. I, I, hey, anything that's going to work at this point. Why not?
2: Yeah. You tell my free throws, mad.
0: Wait, 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 wait. Uncle Jesse told me to watch my mouth. Now, is that uncle? If that's Uncle Jesse from Dukes of Hazzard. Yes, sir. If it's Uncle Jesse off full house, bite it.
2: <laughs> well, Uncle Jesse from Dukes of Hazard is dead, so um, I don't think he's making any comments.
0: But. Well, you know what I'm saying. Whoever, whichever Uncle Jesse that's supposed to be representing.
2: Yeah, he's saying, uh, "No way, dude! Calling your mother a whore, a really cow—that's wrong, dude."
0: Well, I wasn't calling your mother a whore, Uncle Jesse. Your mother's no, he's a lovely lady. <laughs> well,
2: wow. okay. So uh, instead of uh, sitcoms and shows from the 70s and 80s let's talk them I do have a I do have a topic I'm going to throw out you I thought about uh this morning um just like the Clint Eastwood movie the good the bad the ugly from yesterday what's the good the bad the ugly what do y'all have
0: the good Holt Naylor's and CJ Johnson um I really the the bad is uh Keaton Mitchell and uh and Harris's injuries and the ugly was the defense in the second half Minus the fourth quarter stand.
2: Okay, I can I can go for that. Uh, what about you, Matt? Uh, there was a topic I had for defense. I'm going to, after the good, the bad, the ugly, I wanted to ask you. Um, but the good, the bad, the ugly for you, Matt, yesterday, what did you observe?
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the good is so we. I observed some new wrinkles in the offense that I've been literally, I, God, I, I must sound like a, bro, a broken record, but I've been screaming yeah. some of the wrinkles. Yes. So I was yeah. so happy to see that. So, so that's the good. The, the bad, you know, I, I would say um, the, the defense I did not think played very good yesterday at all. I thought, um, you know, if you think about it, if we didn't get those two stops inside the three-yard line, you know, right. we would have given up roughly 42 points yesterday. Um, right. But South Florida moved the ball. I didn't think we played well on defense at all. And uh, But they do have a better offensive line than people realize. So, uh, but and, – and then the ugly – Um, geez, yesterday, I mean, I guess the ugly for me was that when it's 41 to seven and a half, I really was hoping to see Mason Garcia for at least a full quarter. Um, and we, we never even got to that point just because they, you know, they scored some quick touchdowns. So, um, you know, some good, some bad from yesterday, but I'll take the win.
2: No doubt. Bubba, what about you? The good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, what did you observe yesterday?
3: As far
1: as the good, I mean, Exactly what Matt was saying—the way we went about things offensively, and taking what was there, you know, using those uh, mismatches and CJ's ability to make the one-on-one plays against that man coverage from South Florida, and you know, obviously, uh, you know, Holton and uh, CJ having just a, a monstrous day. Um, the bad—I um, guess—the bad would be the uh, the defenses. I, actually, the, the bad would be our inability to run the ball on a consistent basis, even though we were more focused on the passing game yesterday. I think part of that was because of our inability to uh, to run block consistently well. And then the ugly was our, our defense uh, against the pass in the second half.
2: You set me up nicely. I want to ask you guys about that. And starting with Matt being our defensive guy on the show – Matt helped me out because there it seemed like that we were getting beat it was like that it's, I don't know if it's a home run ball but it's a pass over the top um that was really driving me you know I'm a defensive guy Matt even though I didn't play um, defense I'm a defensive guy and that was driving me insane yesterday to see there was uh, I don't know if it was three times but it was uh, more at least two times but there was times with throwing it over the top and then, you know, you have touchdowns. It was uh, those big explosion plays.
0: Yeah, we blow coverage in the, in the back end of our defense sometimes.
3: Yeah, we definitely do. But I think the biggest issue yesterday that I saw was that they blocked us well up front. Like, when we would bring pressure, they blocked us well. Um, and when you bring pressure and, and you get blocked, it's going to lead to big plays on the back end. South Florida does have two very good receivers. That kid Horn is incredibly That's good. Yeah. Very fast. And then they have another kid who's really good. I can't think of his name. but So they do have some playmakers on the outside. Um, but I thought they did it, and I, I really think they did a nice job limiting our defensive line, getting into the backfield. And if teams do that against a Blake Harrell scheme, it's going to be a long day because his scheme is so predicated on bringing pressure.
1: Yeah, and the 91-yard touchdown pass uh, to Jimmy Horn Jr., um, that was – you went back and watched that. I'm sure Matt, or if I'm sure you recognized it live. It was pretty glaring. Uh, our safety took a poor angle, uh, man. Yeah. when when he took a poor angle, breaking on the ball, you know, as soon as, soon as he or making the tackle, uh, as
2: soon as he took that poor angle, there was no doubt it was to the house. Yeah. By the way, Uncle Jesse was asking if I played on offense, uh, Matt. I told him. I played on um, offense on the tailgate was, so.
3: <laughs> Yeah, Well, hey, hey, listen, we need offensive players everywhere. Is
0: that, so, is Jesse a troll? I don't
2: know.
0: And I've trying to figure out if Uncle Jesse's legit or if he's trolling us. It's John uh, Gilbert. Either way, John Gilbert. John it, Gilbert. It, 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 either way, Uncle Jesse, we appreciate you watching and listening. Um, You mentioned uh, about the Blake Earl defense being so predicated on getting to the quarterback with these blitz schemes, and it leaves the back end of the defense vulnerable if you don't get to them. Um, I'm going to tell you what right now. Everybody make sure you go to the Memphis game. Memphis throws the ball all over the yard. Now, we may be able to get to their quarterback. I really don't think they're as good as their record indicates. They had a good defensive performance yesterday, but Temple's offense is garbage. Overall, their defense isn't very good. I think that Memphis game might be a shootout. Uh, I think that could be a 41-38 type ball game. So uh, I know we got two lane up first, but the Memphis game for homecoming, uh, it could be a fun game to watch. Hopefully it just goes our way.
2: No doubt. And Matt, with the what's crazy is the Bendel break uh, defense yesterday. Having those uh, – how many times is now? Is it four times? If My memory serves me right. The goal line stances uh, for the season, if my I think that's right. But, man, it's crazy how we've had four this year and – uh, that's something that we're um, if we're going to win close ball games. That's another way that we win close ball games is the six that they don't get, and then we drive it down the field, and the six we get. That's a huge. I know that's stating again the obvious, but that's a huge swing that if we can do
3: that, definitely. And it shows that there's character in, in the players and the defense, and that they don't, you know, they don't just lay down. I mean, it's it's a good sign when your defense continues to fight on every play. Well, so. Yeah, you know, they're definitely very good at that. It's definitely the fourth or fifth time that I can recall, Dave. Um, but it was big yesterday because it stopped two touchdowns. You know, yeah. the, the turnover and then the goal line stand down there. So, uh, you know, awesome to see.
0: Uh, it, it, it maybe more than that because I think we did it twice against NC State. Uh, we forced a, a, a fumble one time, I believe, and then the yeah, we did goal it twice against NC State. Yeah, twice against NC State. We did it against Navy on the first drive we did it twice yesterday and it seems like we did it against old dominion also um so it, we're 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 really good down there and i to me it it in it, it it goes to always make the play make the play stop them because you know y'all remember it was a touchdown then it was reviewed and then we got the four down stops so it, you know so people forget that so Always make that stop. Don't just you know. Don't give up on the play because that one stop at the one yard line it with the way this defense can can get up to play goal on defense. Sometimes don't give up on the play if you can stop at the one <laughs> or the two. We may keep them out of the end zone.
2: Uh, no, no doubt about it. I, I tell you what, uh, with Tulane, uh, what when you guys looking at the game this week? Um, what are some keys? Obviously, we know their record. We know how good they are, but at the same time. Um, I'll throw it out to you guys. What do you think? What are we, what are the keys to the game? I know this is, uh, the playback, but, uh, looking ahead Tuesday night, we'll have our pirate preview, but our early preview, what do you think about, uh, Tulane, whoever wants to take it? How do we beat them?
0: Uh, we're just going to have to play good on all three sides of the ball. Cause they're pretty good on all three sides of the ball. Their defense is much better this year. Offensively, you know, they, they played three different quarterbacks. Um, they, they just keep winning. I, uh, I, I don't turn the ball over. Um, I would look at some USM game film and find out what they did, and try to utilize some of that if we if we can. Um, but it, they're uh, they're a well rounded football team, um, so I think we're going to, have to do the same. I think we're going to, have to play well on all three sides of the ball. To over to oversimplify it.
1: And that's something, uh, as far as I'm sure Southern Miss had some success with something, but they only had about 250 yards of offense in the game, so uh, but uh, that's something. Take
0: advantage of red zone opportunities apparently, Bubba.
1: Yeah, must have
0: been those red
1: zone opportunities and the inability of Tulane cashing in because they outgained them like 450 to 250, and then, like I said, there wasn't a glaring discrepancy in the turnover battle, but Yeah, as far as Tulane and what I saw, they have some uh, very good skill guys, Uh, Spears and Watts stand out uh, and uh, J. Spears. He had about 60 or 70 on the ground the other night, and then he had the game winning touchdown reception. And I think that was one of six or seven catches he had on the night. And and he'll remind you of Keaton Mitchell with his speed. Uh, He may not be as fast as Keaton, but he is uh, he's very fast, ain't he? you know he's very elusive uh, so we'll have to do a good job of keeping Tajay Spears under wraps and we'll probably have Corey Glor on our pirate preview on Tuesday night and we'll talk to him more about him but I know he's someone that he just said in the past he had not been able to stay on the field from an injury and you know, health standpoint but um, when he had been on the field he had demonstrated that explosiveness and uh, we're seeing it in uh, the Houston Cougars and Dana Hogerson certainly saw it on Friday night.
2: Hey, Matt, yeah. I question. Matt, I had a question for you because you were in maybe um, Kyle Finn and Bubba too. Um, when it comes to um, Tulane, you guys, uh, you, you hit on something that um, I was thinking about during the game and I totally forgot So to, you mentioned it earlier in the show. How about, how about if we could uh, do like the Jeff Blake kind of stuff, the uh, we we're talking about the option uh, with Holton because people aren't expecting that. They're not expecting Holton to run. You were talking about that, and you're exactly right. Uh, Tulane, if we could find a way to to do some wrinkles like that, and some of the other uh, things you talked about, um, you know, that's the we're going to have to find way, different ways to win the game, and also um, to be a we we got the fumble down there, uh, like we talked about in the uh, first half, and the, I think it's the first quarter. But um, those those turnover those turnovers are huge, and especially uh, we have got to make sure we don't turn over the ball and force turnovers on them. Stay at the plus side, yeah.
3: Well, well, you know Willie Fritz is a master coach. You know he he is an outstanding coach, and we need to have a tremendous game plan. And, and part of that game plan is not just coming out, you know, and or how we approach the game, but anticipating how he's going to adjust, and then we readjust. So we need to have a, a tremendous game plan going into that game. But, um, you know, I think, uh, and Dave, I, I apologize. I forgot what your question was there. But
2: <laughs> No, I was talking about your – I was just making the point that uh, you had mentioned earlier, and I wanted to mention as far as beating Tulane. I think there's a lot of – and you guys don't may not agree with me. It's not that I think our team is not good, so we have to be desperate and do a whole bunch of trick plays. It's not that. What I'm saying is – Throw in some uh, different things, like you're talking about on offense, Matt, that we haven't seen. And do some trick plays. Mike Houston is not known for a trick play. Let's throw some trick plays. I'm saying, like, one a game, something we're not expecting. I'm not saying, like, be predictable and do a whole bunch of trick plays in a game, obviously, because that's what makes it a trick play. Nobody sees it coming. But, man, we need to do stuff like that because, to me, a fake field goal – not fake field goal, but a fake punt or – anything. Well, I don't know about this year, but <laughs> if you want to say
3: No, um, I know what you're saying, Dave. I know exactly what you're saying. And to your point, I mean, we do every week, you have to have something new that you haven't put on film. You yeah. have to. And um, you know, hey, it could, be, it could be something to the effect of, you know, you, you put in Marlon Gunn for a direct snap in the red zone. Um, you know, a wildcat type look or you know, there's always some wrinkle you could put in. Um, so, so I think we're going to need to have something different this week and, you know, and, and not be predictable. Um, and and I think that's it. And and yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't mind, you know, I feel like talent wise Tulane is not better than us. Um, we're right there. I mean, talent wise, I think it's a pretty equal game, but, um, every now and then I I don't mind seeing a reverse pass type situation where you, you know, you try to take a shot on a, on a, uh, you know, a trick type play Kyle, I know you don't love trick plays, but uh,
2: what are your thoughts there? Coach Logan, baby. Don't you remember Coach Logan? We were winner with him, and he had trick plays.
0: Sorry, guys.
3: Trick plays, yeah, there's a place
0: for them. I'm not, not a big fan of trick plays. I think you need to use them when you need to use them. Um, I don't think we should have to use them to beat South Florida, and I'm not a fan of using them. You know, I've seen times coaches use them, in games that they have put away. And I always wonder why the hell you do that. They've saved that like Logan did in big spots. So I, um, you know, these next games coming up Tulane, UCF Memphis, um, Cincinnati, BYU, these next five in particular, these are the kind of games that you break out a trick play to me, you know, on the road at Tulane is a good place to break out a trick play. Um, any of these games coming up. So, um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not against trick plays. I just, I I don't think you should have to rely on that. And Logan never did rely on it. He used them in big situations, and to me, you're going to use them. You need to use them in big situations, and they're they're not going to win or lose you ball games. What they'll do is steal you a touchdown, though. And then uh, if they're done right, to me, that's the point of a trick play: still a touchdown. So um, if there's an opportunity against Tulane or any of these upcoming games. Uh, to run any kind of trick play, so, you know, we, we haven't shown it. We haven't shown really much trick ration since Coach uh, Houston's been here. It's not his thing. So if you ran one and it was executed properly, it would probably work because nobody would really be looking for it. I mean, be it be a fake punt or a fake a fake field goal, maybe, or um, anything like that, or something just in the passing hey. game, like a halfback pass, etc.
2: Hey, guess what, guys? Would you have? Uh, Luke, when you have Luke Larson number twelve, and you have Holton Aylers number twelve, uh, I know there's a different body types there, um, but set up for a fake field goal with Daffer. He's going to try a forty-five yarder, guys. This is a, are you nervous? You know, like that, and all of a sudden, Holton throws it to to uh, one of the guys, and boom, you got it.
3: Put some fake tattoos on Holton's arms, you know, so he looks. like... yeah, uh, yeah but. But, um, I the last trick play I can recall was the opening play against South Carolina last year when S- I believe it was Sneed. We 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 flared yeah. it out to Sneed and he threw about a I don't know 60 yard bomb to uh Hatfield. Um, yeah, uh, Bubba That's was probably or Bubba's the 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 uh the master memory guy on the show, he would probably remember that one. No, you're you right, yeah, that was, that was you, uh.
1: Recall that very well, Matt. Um, Tyler Sneed hitting Josiah Hatfield down, down the right sideline. And uh, you know, I remember when he let that ball go, I thought he had overthrown him. But uh, Hatfield uh, ran underneath it and took it to the house. But, you know, something of note, and while we're on the topic of wide receivers – Yesterday, Jalen Johnson went down. You know, fingers crossed that he'll be back and able to play this week against Tulane because we play so few wide receivers as it is. And, you know, yesterday you really – you only had uh, three wide receivers play. And after Jalen Johnson went down, it was C.J. Johnson and then Isaiah Winstead getting all the snaps because you had Shane Calhoun and and, uh, Ryan Jones. In there uh, when we were going four wide, so uh, that that's something I would like to know. Uh, obviously, we're very strong at tight end. I understand why those guys are on the field so much. But, you know, even back in the day, going back to the to the Logan years when when you would have Troy Smith and Lamont Chapel you know, and different ones seeing the majority of the snaps. You still had guys like Linwood and that would you know play five to ten. Fifteen snaps of ball games, so that's something I found pretty interesting.
2: No doubt about it. I, I tell you, the you uh, guys when we're doing a guy that we do a lot for offensive line, offensive line. In fact, the, uh, Jeff Charles talked about yesterday the fact that uh, you have guys are. It's not that they're not talented; they're just young, Matt, and you, you and Bubba can appreciate it. they're young and. They're not quite prime time. It doesn't mean they're never going to be ready. Not that when it comes to our, I know we had a all signing class this year, but I'm hoping that we can get some more offensive linemen um, if it's transfer portal.
3: Well. You know, um, Dave, you were cutting out there for a second, but I agree. You always – you can never have enough offensive linemen. And, um, you know, we, we every year – I love the recipe here at East Carolina. You know, you, you, you develop a few guys from high school. You try to bring in a, a portal guy if you can, maybe a grad transfer like a Justin Red. But, um, you know, one thing I wanted to mention that we really haven't talked about and it's been kind of hush-hush is – The loss of Bailey Malovic, guys. Um, He was projected to be our starting left tackle before the season. Um, I know he had a family tragedy, and you hate to hear that. You you hate to hear it. Um, But that's a big loss for the team. By all accounts, he's not with the team anymore. Um, You know, Justin Red, guys, when he was player of the year in the MIAC, he was a right guard. He had never played left tackle before, especially on this level um, so now you have a situation where, um, you know, we probably could have platooned at the left tackle between Malovic and red. Um, and now he's That's kind good. of forced to hold, go the whole game. So, you know, it, it, we're just not in the situation here where we can afford to lose guys. And that loss of Malovic, um, you just hate to see, you hate it for him. You really hate it for that kid because he's been through a lot with the ACL and then, you know, he, he tragically lost a family member. Um, so, so, you know, I'd love to see him find a way back to the team. I don't know if that's in the cards. I don't know anything about it, but it's, it's a big loss.
2: You're, you're absolutely right, and I didn't know until you said this week, uh, mentioning in our group text about that very fact. I didn't know anything about it, that he wasn't with the team anymore. I knew about the tragedy. I thought he was just taking his time away from that. But you're um, – it's just uh, so much fun um, – you know, to cover this team. And um, when you see a situations like that where we thought that um, the wide receiver issue uh, as far as depth, and it turns out that's been one of our strengths. And then one area guys we thought we would be rock solid would be offensive line. It's not that we don't have quality guys, but another thing that I want to mention is um, Justin Red's going to be gone next year. Um, you have, isn't it, uh, I believe Avery Jones, does he have one more year or is he gone? But um, that's going to be another thing. As far as experienced guys playing in line, uh, we can't worry about next year. I know as far as, like, we're in the season now. But, man, if you're on that that board – I was going to say draft board. I'm thinking about the NFL. But if you're on that board and you're thinking about all your recruits, man, uh, we've got to uh, make sure that we're getting, um, like we said, that recipe of an alignment or two from the portal, plus uh, really working hard and If there's anybody that can do it as Coach Shank, but man, that's something that um, is really concerned to me. It was already a little bit of concern, but um, it's more of a concern as of this week, learning about uh, Melivic and then also um, the number of guys. We're only playing six. So anyway, do you guys uh, have anything before we go? I know we're running a little long tonight, but uh, certainly we appreciate all the listeners and viewers. It means a lot. You guys are amazing, and maybe you guys have. Uh, hey, welcome in Craig to the show. I see he's there, but uh, if you have any questions or comments for us or to the group, um, then put it on Facebook and uh, certainly on YouTube as well. Yeah, Dave, taking a look around
1: the American and you know, Kyle referenced that game with Navy, um, part of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. Um, obviously heading out to uh Air Force, they they fell thirteen to ten yesterday. Uh, he talked about the Memphis Temple game. Temple was up three to nothing at halftime, and then Memphis rolled in the second half. And Temple just they're they're uh, really struggling offensively. Had just seven first downs in the game to go with three turnovers, two out of sixteen on third down. There's um, their, their uh, defense, like I mentioned, uh, limited Memphis to three hundred and thirty yards and generated five stacks, So the Owls are very good uh, on defense. But, um, Metmuth won that game 24 to three. And then you had Cincinnati winning at Tulsa and the Bearcats are 24th in this week's AP poll. Uh, and coach Fickle and the Bearcats were 31 to 21 winners at Tulsa last night after winning, excuse me, after leading 24 to 14 at halftime.
2: Yeah. The, um, the games they're going on I tell you um, when you look around the league in fact I know you Bubba you said with um, Cincinnati's 24th this week uh, certainly um, you obviously would think that they would be a little bit higher temp um, excuse me Tulane um, they're right up there and uh, one of the biggest surprises for me guys is uh, this year has been uh, I know uh, Matt's favorite coach but Dana Holgerson uh, I right. <laughs> Uh, I've got a, I do have one more topic I was going to throw at you guys and I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Um, but to me, the biggest disappointment, which we're not surprised, the guys on this show um, is Houston. Uh, we lo- we don't have anything personally against the university, but um, Dana Holgerson is the one of the most overrated coaches. In America, and uh, I have a topic after Bubba because of Dana Holgerson and another coach that fits that bill after we go through the American. I wanted to mention that before we get out of here. Go ahead, Bob. I'm sorry.
1: No, that's all the scores from around the American, but I'm taking a look at some of the things that caught my eye nationally. uh, You had TCU, um, TCU and Coach Dykes first season there in Fort Worth. They'd gotten off to an excellent start, um, but they had a, a different challenge yesterday with, Oklahoma, who had just gotten beat at home by Mm K-State. I was very eager to see how Brent Venable Sooners responded to that home loss to the Wildcats, and uh, they went to Fort Worth and absolutely got bombarded uh, by the Horned Frogs. Uh, Max Max Duggan, the quarterback for TCU, had, I think, something like 450 or 500 yards of total offense, and – the Horn Frogs under OC Garrett Riley, which was very unique, and Garrett Riley uh, going against his brother's a former school um, before opting to move on to USC. Uh, TCU won that 55 to twenty-four.
3: Yeah, that was that was that was a shocker to me. I mean, not so much that TCU won; I expected a close game. Yeah. The way they went about it, I mean, they just absolutely destroyed Oklahoma and. So, so very impressive there. Um, and I'll tell you, guys, the one that really blew me away, just like that one, was the fact that Missouri um, had Georgia on the ropes deep into the fourth quarter. And, you know, Georgia looked invincible to me the first part of the season. And Missouri was terrible. Missouri has not been good. But that's just a prime example. It's a prime example that in college football, if you're not ready to go, Anybody can beat you. And Georgia was lucky to get out of there with a W last night. And, you know, they had been number one. I think now you're going to see Alabama reclaim the top spot, which I think they already may have. And, uh, and Georgia will drop down to number two.
2: Or maybe number three with Ohio State. You're a Big Ten guy. Uh, Matt, I'll tell you one of the games that really caught my eye was um, the one of the games that I was interested in. It's the Alabama. Speaking of Alabama, the Alabama-Arkansas game. Uh, you, you know, you have uh, you have the Alabama quarterback go down and an injury, the second string guy comes on, and he and um I looked up, I was messing around my phone, texting you guys, and I looked up, and all of a sudden that kid, um, I don't know about his arm, but that second string quarterback Alabama, Alabama's name escapes me right now. But he he ran that that touchdown was unbelievable. And you want to talk about a dagger in the heart that was a, what was that? A 28, 23 ball game early in the fourth. And all of a sudden you want to talk about a momentum swing. That was the, that's the understatement of the century with that touchdown run. Did you think?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it must be nice to have five stars, five stars as your backup players. Uh, <laughs> some, sometimes when you're three deep at Alabama, you have five stars that are like literally sitting the bench there. But, uh, Oh, that kid's just a phenomenal athlete. You can see the athletic ability. And, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, Alabama, they always find a way. I mean, they just always find a way. And um, they have guys just stacked at every position. And so you got to give them credit. Um, But, yeah, I agree. That kid was was very impressive.
2: So, um, and Matt, by the way, this is another topic I just remembered I didn't talk about is, uh, and I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to give you three teams that have surprised me this year. Are you ready? The okay. obvious, the most obvious one for me is Kansas, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 5-0. and o, And people can say whatever they want to. But Kansas competing in the Big 12. Are you kidding me? We're not talking about basketball. Um, number two would be Duke. And obviously, Kansas beat Duke. So you can't put Duke number one. It's like my biggest uh, surprise. And then number three, another team that you mentioned last week. And you and I, you beat me to it, and I felt like you stole my thunder, but that's okay. We're buddies. I'll get over it. I'm just kidding kidding for people watching and listening. It's Syracuse. Mm. Those three schools, man, I'm telling you, if you'd have told me at the beginning of the year, in the summertime, if Matt came to me and says, Kansas, Duke, and Syracuse are going to be good, Dave, this year, I would have laughed at you, and I have a lot
3: of respect for you, but I would have laughed on that one. (laughs) I wouldn't have blamed you. I wouldn't have blamed you because who who would have ever thought? I mean, especially Kansas. I mean, you talk about what a turnaround, right? What a turnaround. I mean, I think those are those are three great examples. And then you know you see TCU and and then how about UCLA? Who I I am no fan of. of, Of I'm no fan of Pac-12 football. I, I, you know, I'm very open about that. But UCLA has has uh, you know really you know, shocked me as well. So quite a few teams around the country. I've been s- surprised at um, just how bad Wisconsin has been. And I know Craig, Craig, you said, mentioned uh, you know, in the chat that, uh, well, Craig's, Craig's got a few good ones. I just want to take a second. So he, Craig mentioned that Wisconsin fired their coach today, uh, which is incredibly rare at Wisconsin. I mean, they've had probably three coaches in the last 30 years. Um, yep. So that's very rare. And then I got to give Craig props too for his, his little giants reference. Uh, if, if you've ever seen the movie, little giants, Craig, Craig, made a reference to that as well. So some good points there, but, um, definitely some, some surprising situations.
2: No doubt. And by the way, and you're going to be proud of me because, um, I didn't do my homework as far as research, uh, actually, um, listen to the guys on Sirius XM. If you have, um, ESPNU radio on SiriusXM XM. It's one of my favorite channels. And they were doing the show today and t- um, Tom Luganville. Um, and they were talking about uh, the Big Ten West. And how about this? You know, Purdue wins, uh, beats Minnesota yesterday. And there was, uh, what is it, seven teams. So six out of the seven teams in the West are tied for first place, except for, wait for it, wait for it, Wisconsin. And they were talking about uh, Wisconsin, which is strange how Wisconsin is not first or second in that division. But, uh, man, they have uh, tough times there in Madison. But, uh, Matt, you know, uh, I I follow – because of you, I've been paying more attention to Big Ten football and for the West to have six out of seven. I knew it was competitive, um, but you want to talk about parity. That Big Ten West is probably number one on my list this year.
3: Yeah, that that side of the division's wide open. And it seems like all the powers, you know, you look at on the other side with, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, right? And, and it's definitely wide open. But, um, yeah, I mean, I personally love the Big Ten, Dave. I think one of the reasons I love it so much is because the elements play a part, um, especially now as you get into October. You start to see the cold weather. You start to see, like yesterday at Penn State, there were like 10 turnovers in that game. Um, just a, a cold, rainy, sleek conditions. Um, and then when the snow kicks in, it's even more fun, in my opinion. So, yeah, hey, I'm glad I'm making a fan out of you, buddy. To bring <laughs> hey. a little attention to the big judge, hey, Bubba, real quick before I pitch
2: it to you, Bubba, I was looking at the schedule for Duke and we had, uh, Will on from Clemson on Thursday night. He was talking about Duke's schedule and I going to take up for Duke real quick. You guys ready? He was talking about, Oh man, it's, uh, they, it's a nice story, but you know, the schedule gets harder for them. And of course they can lose their four and one. Um, they can lose the next seven games. Anything's possible. Right. But check this out. They have, um, they're at Georgia tech um, this week. Uh, that's a good chance. They can get a W then. And um, i tell you one thing, North Carolina, um, they have, um, this family weekend for Duke and Wallace Wade. Now uh, that North Carolina team, maybe they can sc- uh, score some points, but I'd love to see Mike, Elfo- Mike Elko's defense versus that offense uh, for North Carolina at Miami, at Boston College, two teams that haven't been playing very well. You have Virginia Tech. Um, the last two games at Pitt and the home game against Wake Forest, those last two games will be the only games left on the schedule that really scare me as far as I don't think they have a chance, but anyway, I'm not not a Duke show, but I was just, I wanted to make a point, um, Bubba, with Will acting like that, you know, basically they had all the wins. I I don't think he meant it that way, but I know the schedule is not easy, but uh, it's not um, the Duke team I expected this year to where it was going to be like a three and nine, two and 10 kind of season.
1: Yeah. Like you mentioned, uh, I, I, out of curiosity, took a look at the Blue Devils' remaining schedule as well once they um, posted, what, like a 38-17 win over UVA last night. Uh, Like you said, I mean, a lot of games that could go either way, and, you know, a bunch of those, yes, the Blue Devils may be a slight dog, but uh, really none of them would shock me if, uh, if Duke, Mild upsets and, um, based on the schedule that you rattled off and the way Virginia Tech is struggling offensively. Uh, you mentioned Miami and the Georgia way they've Tech. been Jekyll and Hyde. And, uh, yeah, Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech, obviously. Uh, but hey, Georgia Tech, uh, yeah, tough yesterday, to figure. Man. But you know, after, after firing their AD and Jeff Collins, the head coach, um, they went up and won at Pittsburgh. And you know, who would have ever thought that? Man, you so oh. it's, frust- it's frustrating I mean this is certainly in no way shape or form you know rationalize any shortcomings that we've had but uh, you-, you thought we were frustrated last week a very similar situation can you imagine how Pitt fans feel you know, losing to Georgia Tech at home you know yeah. expect- expecting to uh, compete and win the Coastal Division and-, and play for an ACC title and you know win an ACC title
2: no doubt and um, I was thinking about too with UVA and I know Alice puts up UVA and Virginia Tech have new coaches. Um, would Old Dominion be the best team right now <laughs> or Liberty uh one of those two teams in the the Commonwealth I mean <laughs> I don't know I just uh, that's something that hit fairly me yeah. of, uh,
1: fairly mediocre football being played or, or less than uh, mediocre football being played in the Commonwealth.
2: No doubt. Hey, by the way, guys, uh, Matt, I think Bubba's getting a call. i will pitch this to you. So to me, I'm going to start off this part and then we'll get out of here. I promise. To me, oh, that. thank you, Craig. J of you, of course. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm, I need to go to bed. Uh, thank you, Craig. Craig is, uh, we have the smartest listeners and viewers out there for sure. I want to get your opinion, those of you listening and watching. And of course, Bubba uh, and Matt, to me, the most overrated coach. In all of college football, are you waiting for it? I call him Jumbo um, because I think his ego is Jumbo um, big time. That's why I call him Jumbo. Jimbo Fisher is the most overrated coach in all of America. So, Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot. And then, Bubba, Bubba, whichever one wants to go first, Uh, before we get out of here, who is the most overrated football coach in college football?
3: Whew, that is a that is a great or, is it Dana,
2: or your favorite Dana Hogerson.
3: <laughs> Whew, that that is a great great question, man. I need to give that some thought. I mean, okay. I, I, I one that might you know a program that nobody talks about ever, and a guy that's been there for about a hundred years. That I feel like he keeps him steady, but never really wins much. Uh, I'll go with Kirk Ference at Iowa. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, he, he, their offense is just abysmal every year. It's terrible. And um, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like I was underachieving a little bit uh, as a program. So I'll, I'll go with Kirk Ferens.
1: Yeah. And, and they very quickly, as far as going back to your question about the Commonwealth um, like Johnny Robertson, Jay Cutler and you know, Craig Doucette, you know, who has a child that goes to uh JMU? I, I'd you. say JMU hands down is the best team. Uh, it's Thank JMU, you. and I'd say, and um, you know, Liberty's right there as well. But uh, James, James Madison has looked very good, and uh, I guess what five and zero, something like that, four, four yeah, or five um, and zero now. But um,
2: I'm you a know, I, fan of I forgot, Just forgive me, Craig, it wasn't a slight on JMU. I'm a big fan of that university.
1: And then another score from yesterday, I think y'all probably talked about this when my phone died, because Craig brought it up in the comments, but he's talking about Wisconsin firing head coach Paul Chris. Um, They parted ways with him, uh, which wasn't stunning, Um, maybe a little surprising at at the timing, but uh, hey, they just, they don't like. You're losing at Camp Randall, thirty-four to ten to Illinois, especially when the Illini are led by their former coach.
2: Well, here's the thing, Bubba. The reason I uh, you missed out on the um, because of your phone um, was I was saying the reason why I think they did is because the biggest parity in college football, as far as a division, is that Big Ten West. Six out of seven schools now are tied for first place, except for Wisconsin. So, when you have six out of seven schools that are tied for first place and you're not one of them Um, com- considering where you've been, you've been top of the mountain as far as that division normally um, or one of the con- first or second, then um I could see why they're, they've had hard times, but uh who is your most overrated coach Bubba? You follow the game. I know uh, extremely close. I was saying Jimbo Fisher to me is the most overrated. I think he, I mean, every time you turn around, they gave him that 10-year deal, $75 million. They're giving him, I mean, he's getting all these five-star recruits. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the SEC is an easy conference by any stretch of the imagination. But considering the recruits he has, the facilities, can you imagine, guys, if we had the facilities that that uh, Hugh, uh, excuse me, Texas A&M had? Yeah, uh, a lot of people
1: would love to have their money, but uh, it's not going to happen. But I'm going on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, and you know he had he had his chance to uh, to go to the SEC with Oklahoma, but opted to go to USC. But it would be interesting to see what a what a Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, or another coach like that um, would be able to do. Uh, at Texas A&M, and obviously they felt like they had their Lincoln Riley, so to speak, with Jimbo Fisher, and who knows, they may still prove to be that they do, but uh, there's certainly uh, plenty of doubters now, and and rightfully so, because I saw a stat uh, saying that uh, his record after this amount of games uh, into his tenure is the exact same record as what it was for Kevin Sumlin.
2: Wow, Bob, I was thinking about <laughs> during our game yesterday. I was thinking about Kevin. Someone uh, that's crazy. Um, well, yeah, I was wondering about, and he of course went to I believe Arizona and got fired there. But uh, let's get out of here, agree, uh, bubble. We've been uh, long, and I appreciate uh, everybody. Uh, by the way, I want to give a shout out to Kevin Walker, KK, one of the best ever to to put on that purple and gold at East Carolina. He's a licensed contractor and. Uh, with uh, LK Custom Homes, they're our title sponsor. Appreciate them very much. 336-688-8461. Appreciate their support of the program. How about Porky's Backyard Barbecue? Want to appreciate uh, the Holiday Brothers. And they, they're they everywhere, man. You uh, you can cater. You can go there. You can dine in, drive through. Uh, 252-661-0337. If you're familiar with Williamston, it was a captain D's in front of the old Walmart shopping center. They call it Roanoke Landing. And that's where they are. They've got great food. Check them out. They're open daily, uh, 11 to 8. And finally, uh, last but certainly not least, uh, another great supporter of the show. I'm talking about pgxgloves.com. Mark Minikazi. Kaz has been so good to us the last few years and want to give him a shout out uh, for everything that they do uh, for pgxgloves.com. In fact, you can click on uh, the promo code and just type in ECU, and that would be a uh, that 25% off, uh, you get the discount for custom uh, baseball gloves. They got batting gloves, football gloves, swag, and so much more. So appreciate that uh, for everything. All right. Uh, thanks to uh, Andrew Bays, our guests. And of course, Kyle and uh, Bubba, Matt. Appreciate you guys so much. Let's get out of here until next time. You've been watching the Pirate uh, Playback brought to you by LK Custom Homes right here on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody. And go
0: Pirates. You've been watching the Pirate Football Playback on the Sports Objective. Join us next Sunday night on our YouTube channel and Facebook Live as we talk East Carolina football. Follow us on social media at The Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at The Sports Objective on Instagram. Please like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. Go Pirates!